0: Who knew your brain was doing so much when you were falling in love? Well, we want to help you fall in love again or more deeply by helping you get those brain circuits
1: working in
0: support of keeping the romance in your marriage.
1: The Marriage Podcast for Smart People is designed to help busy couples like yourselves move away from conflict and unhappiness to build a marriage you'll love today and treasure for a lifetime. This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Learn how you can help save marriages, prevent divorces, and keep families intact by going to OYF.support. Once again, that website is OYF.support. And now, here are your hosts, Caleb and Valinda Simone Gundel from Only You Forever.
0: Welcome to the Marriage Podcast for Smart People. And if that wasn't the nerdiest intro ever, Caleb. Anyways. Hey.
2: Hey. If you, nerdy's my style.
0: Yeah, apparently. If you want to build a thriving, passionate marriage, we've got the research of the truth and the answers you're looking for. We have an enticing episode for you this week. Not just nerdy. Yeah. And Caleb, you know, from that introduction, enticing's maybe not the word that right. first pops I'll to wait mind. wait and see. Uh-huh. Okay.
2: We're going to be talking about heat today.
0: Brain circuits.
2: And yeah, we'll get there.
0: Okay. This is episode number 145. And today we're going to be talking about the neuroscience of dating. Most enticing, both in terms of romantic love and long-term attachment.
2: Oh, ye of little faith. Hey there, before we get started, if you missed last week's episode, we discussed how fear impacts marriage. It's worth going back and checking out. Also, make sure you hit that subscribe button in your podcast player so you don't miss any upcoming shows from us. Mm -hmm.
0: If you're struggling with your marriage, we offer sound research-based advice spoken from a Christian worldview. And remember, God invented marriage, not just for believers, but for humans. So we want to help bring hope and healing and maybe even some heat to your marriage. So let's talk about how your brain has been designed to work in support of this.
2: You're still smiling at me. I am so
0: excited for this enticing episode. Just remember,
2: we have a lot of engineers Uh that listen to our episodes. Okay. And so this will help them turn up the heat a little bit.
0: So maybe, you know, talking about neuroscience and brain circuits. Yeah. Well.
2: It's a presentable way of, of uh, encouraging folks to get back to dating their spouse. Okay. So there's there's three distinct brain systems involved in intimate relationships. Uh-huh. First is sex drive. The second is what we call courtship attraction. We're going to use a simpler term today, romantic love. That's more of a short-term system. Hmm. And then there's partner attachment. We've talked about attachment before. Yeah. That's a long-term system. Okay. So each of those has a separate set of associated emotions, behaviors, and brain systems. And what we're going to do is look at courtship attraction or this romantic love part and then partner attachment. And we're going to look at the changes in romantic love over time to see if we can actually keep some of that heat going in marriage. Because what happens is usually the, the romantic love, the initial sort of um, fire part dies off. Mm-hmm. We're, today I want what my goal for today is to bring some of that heat forward.
0: Okay. So why, if we're talking about heat, are we only going to be talking about, you know, romantic love and partner attachment and not sex drive?
2: Uh, just because we're, it's primarily on dating today. Okay. And dating and marriage, of course, we're having sex, but the dating, you know, certainly in our value system, dating excludes sex yeah. until you're married. Uh, so I just left that part out because I want to talk about the neuroscience particularly. I know that yeah, you know, your biggest sex organ is your brain, but we're we're going to, focus primarily on these bonding parts. Okay. We've talked about sex elsewhere. and
0: Sounds enticing.
2: (laughs) (laughs) All right. So let's start with romantic love. So this is observed in all cultures worldwide. It's not just like a North American thing. Okay. Can even be felt at a young age before puberty and sex drive develop. And just for example, think of your kindergarten teacher crush, right? So romantic love is like this innate universal human capacity. Starts very young. Hmm. Okay. And when you begin a romantic... I didn't have a
0: crush on my kindergarten teacher.
2: I don't remember mine either, but do you okay. have a better example?
0: Well, I mean, I can think of like a boy in kindergarten.
2: Yeah. There you go. Okay. So when you begin a romantic relationship as an adult, for Linda, <laughs> intense romantic love typically lasts up to 18 months. And this is looking at a study from Fisher et al. in 2006, after which this other part, what we call partner attachment, that becomes the main driving force of the relationship. So one way to describe this is you have a lot of heat at the start of your relationship, but then as you're married, you settle in for the long haul. Your brain chemistry changes to support a steady burn, which is more sustainable.
0: Hmm. Okay.
2: So romantic love, therefore, provides motivation to find a single long-term spouse, and attachment provides motivation to stay together over the years. Huh. And okay. you, need, you need both, right? Yep. So, in 2005, some researchers used MRI scans to monitor brain activity in 17 people who had been intensely in love for a short period of time, just one to 17 months. So, that's that first stage. Okay. And they monitored their brain activity when they were looking at a photo of their beloved. Mm -hmm. So the areas of the brain that were activated were linked to the dopamine reward system, which is associated with pleasure through the release of dopamine. It's also associated with general arousal with focused attention and motivation to pursue and acquire rewards. Now, just think about all those things in the context of dating, right? It's like what they're saying is that romantic love is therefore it's a force, like a motivational force towards someone as well as a feeling. Think of it as driving the, you know, if both are experiencing this, it's driving the couple together with a very specific focus on one another. It's kind of locking them down to each other and and creating the exclusivity Mm -hmm. that marriage is Mm -hmm. based on, right? Mm
0: -hmm. Okay.
2: Now, I said we were going to keep sex separate, but I do have a sidebar on that. This sort of focusing in, motivating, force, driving them towards each other is separate from the sex drive. Although they're correlated, they're often activated together since dopamine is also linked to sexual arousal. But what's interesting is speaking from a biblical values perspective, you don't need to have sex before marriage to really create a strong basis for marriage. That's what oh, I'm saying. Because okay. it's embedded in this romantic love system. Okay. So by refraining from premarital sex, you're not taking anything away from the future of your marriage, which is contrary to the popular idea that you also need to be sexually intimate before marriage is a part of testing things out and establishing whether you're a good fit or not.
0: Interesting. So that is
2: not necessary, which in my mind, with my worldview, makes sense that God designed us to work with his value system. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So it should work well. Now, just coming back to this romantic love piece, not only was there this dopamine part, but there's higher levels of the neurotransmitter called norepinephrine which is also linked to feelings of love in that it creates a sense of alertness and attention, as well as the increased heart rate and blushing and trembling often experienced in the early stages of love. Okay. That whole woo-woo kind of time, right? So tell me, when were you ever woo-woo, honey? I was on the inside. (laughs) So these bodily sensations, though, are reflective of kind of a love storm going on in your brain. Okay. particularly at the start of the relationship, right? Mm -hmm. And there's another fascinating piece as well. The early stages of romantic love show similar brain patterns to obsessive compulsive disorder. What? Yeah. Both show significantly higher levels of the serotonin transporter 5-HT. I don't know what that is, but I'm just quoting from the research here. And this is thought to produce the obsessive thoughts and tendency to place a very high value on a specific person that is found in both romantic love or a specific thing, as in the case of OCD.
0: Huh. Interesting.
2: So levels of this transporter had returned to normal 12 to 18 months after the couples reported falling in love. So again, I just kind of see all this stuff working together is really locking you in on this person,
0: Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. On each other. Yeah.
2: Which also explains when dating relationships break up, you know, sometimes we go, well, they're not even married, like, get over it already. But it can explain how this can also be quite hurtful. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I think when when your marriage is breaking up further yeah. down the road, there's more of a rending, and we're going to talk about that in a minute, why that is, but you can see how this is, you kind of had all this stuff driving you towards exclusivity, this obsessive stuff, right? Mm-hmm, all these reward mm-hmm. systems moving you towards this person, then all of a sudden the axe gets dropped on that. Wow. Yeah. It's very difficult, right? Yeah. So that's how your brain is at work during the romantic love department, particularly during dating. Now. We'll come back to that as we want to talk about bringing that into marriage later. Let's talk about partner attachment. Now, this is the more of the steady burn part, okay? Okay. So partner attachment is companionate love, a feeling of happy togetherness with someone whose life has become deeply entwined with yours. That's a quote.
1: Mm
2: -hmm. Neurologically, it's distinct from romantic love, but it's closely linked. So this attachment force motivates long-term commitment. It motivates the sharing of work and parental duties. It's characterized by shared interest, by companionship, shared laughter, and all of those kind of good things. And what you're not seeing here is infatuation or obsession, but something that's deeper and more abiding. and this is how it differs and now complements the other, right? Okay, So looking at it from the other side, forming this attachment is what causes the deep rending of the heart when a marriage breaks up. That's the part I was just referring uh, to.
0: Okay It's a okay. deep,
2: deep, powerful bonding. It's not fireworks, it's more like lava.
0: hmm, okay? Yeah.
2: Now, in 2000, a couple of researchers tested 17 men and women who had been in love for an average of 28 months using the same measurements as in uh, the study previously mentioned with the newly in love couples. So the brain activity in the couples who were together longer showed activation in the same areas relating to reward and motivation, although their feelings of love were described as being less intense. So, okay. so that romantic love part has become less intense, but these couples also show brain activation in areas that the others didn't, the early dating stage people, Yeah. such as systems involving the hormone oxytocin, which is linked to stronger bonds between couples. Now, oxytocin is popularized as, as the brain's cuddle drug. It enhances bonding when your skin is in contact with another person that you love. Mm -hmm. And I also understand uh, from what I've heard previously that the greatest secretion of this in men follows orgasm. Mm -hmm. And I believe in women, it is most expressed following childbirth to help them bond to their child, right? Mm -hmm. So it follows that the expression of oxytocin is is prompted by behaviors that affirm bonding.
0: Okay. Okay, So before,
2: you know, we're kind of used this locking in obsessive thing. Now it's this deep bonding thing that's going on.
0: That's cool.
2: So partner attachment is distinct from romantic love and from sex drive on a neural level, like in your brain. But again, they're interlinked because having sex stimulates the release of both dopamine and oxytocin, which reinforces both romantic love and partner attachment. Huh. So the reason why I want to speak to all this in this show is that we ourselves are in the stage of raising kids. We've been married 17 and a half years. Like we're very busy with family and church activities with Only You Forever And the podcast here, and we're thankful for a solid partner attachment, but I think the cautionary note is that it's easy to think that romantic love is just puppy love. It's just for the start. Yeah. And what we're going to see after the break is that it is not necessary to have an either or, that you move out of one and into the other completely.
0: Oh, okay. Okay.
2: What if you could have both? Mm -hmm. How awesome would that be, right? Mm -hmm. So to help our listeners create this, to help you create this in your marriage, we've created a plan to help you rekindle dating as a way to bring back the romantic love in your marriage dating your spouse, of course. And I'm really excited about the possibilities here. I'd like you to become a patron of the Marriage Podcast for Smart People so that you can download this guide and start turning the heat back up in your marriage. And we'll just take a quick 60-second break to tell you more about that.
1: What happens when the fairy tale marriage meets reality? Too often, high expectations lead to disappointment, communication breaks down, and the struggles of day-to-day life become overwhelming, leaving you feeling lost and without hope. Unfortunately, marriage does not come with an instruction manual. Marriage troubles are deeply personal and can take a toll on you, your spouse, and your family. Counseling can be expensive and divorce is very costly. It doesn't have to be this way. Caleb and Valinda understand your pain and frustration. Their mission is to help save as many marriages as possible. And to date, thousands of couples are helped through their weekly podcast. But the most important marriage they want to help save is yours. With a minimum of a $10 investment a month, you gain access to exclusive bonus content and valuable information to help you succeed in your own marriage. Learn more about saving marriages and how you can help at OYF.support. That's OYF.support.
2: You're listening to the Marriage Podcast for Smart People. Before the break, we were talking about romantic love and partner attachment, these two systems. Now, I'd like to talk about bringing that romantic love back online.
0: Okay, so like once you've been together for more than like the 18 months and things are calming down, you're out of that romantic love.
2: Yeah. You're bonding. Yeah. So how can we change the romantic love? So it is a general perception across cultures that the initial romantic love declines over time or that it's replaced with companionship and attachment. Mm -hmm. I found this fascinating. It's not just a North American construct. Here's a quote from Nisa, a bush woman from the Kalahari Desert. Cited in some research that we were looking at. She says, when two people are first together, their hearts are on fire and their passion is very great. After a while, the fire cools and that's how it stays. They continue to love each other, but it's in a different way, warm and dependable. Hmm. So.
0: Babe, this is just like a campfire.
2: What is like a campfire?
0: Well, like, you know, when you first start a fire, it's like really hot. And if you try cooking anything over it, you burn it and it's raw inside and it doesn't work, but there's a lot of heat there.
2: Right. But then flame.
0: Yeah. But then when it like, I was going to say cools down, but like when it gets to the coals, when it calms down and you get the coals, that's when you can create something beautiful. Right. You know, like the perfect marshmallow.
2: (laughs) Nice. That's the oxytocin right there.
0: Oh, I can feel it. So totally off track.
2: Yeah. You can tell. But it's a nice analogy. You can tell we've been uh, traveling through campgrounds <laughs> for, for a, a year. year. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I, let me just say this over, Linda, that I want to be balanced here because I'm not talking about like the full on romantic love needing to happen now every day in people's lives who've been married for a dozen years.
0: Yeah. But if you blow on the campfire, like poof, you get a flame again.
2: You do. Uh-huh. That's what we're talking about. So. I can't remember what you were talking about. I can, but you just are so enthusiastic. I almost feel bad, bad <laughs> about going back to the research. <laughs>
0: Because the research
2: does support all this. So a meta review of studies, which is a study of studies, okay? Okay. Measuring love found that an overall general sense of love is positively correlated with relationship length. No surprises there. Okay. But that passionate obsessive love is negatively correlated with relationship length. So you have to transition into the partner attachment stage. Okay. If you stay in the fireworks stage.
0: Yeah.
2: Or the, uh, you know, just started the fire stage. (laughs) You're going to burn through your wood too quickly or something. I don't know how that works, but you know what I'm saying?
0: That's a nice analogy.
2: Yeah, I think I flopped. (laughs) I'm going to stick with, I'll go for research. You go for metaphors. Okay. (laughs) So I think what I, where I'm going with this is, is I'm looking for a both and not an either or like you're either in the romantic stage or you're in the attachment stage, right? So it's okay if you're past the romantic love stage, Mm -hmm. we are past that. Right. We were doing what we had to do. Like our brains were helping us create the bond that we have now. And we're in the attachment stage. But what if you could have both?
0: Yeah. That sounds way better than like, we're past the romantic stage.
2: By the way, I needed you to change my diaper when we're done this episode. (laughs) So
0: We're past that stage.
2: Oh no, we're coming up to it. You see, like romantic love, it doesn't always decrease over time. So another study found that some couples who had been married for an average of 21 years still reported feeling romantic love of the same intensity as newlyweds.
0: Oh, there we go. Now we're talking.
2: These couples showed similar brain activity to the young couples when viewing pictures of their spouses. They Again, they followed that same procedure yeah. from that original study. There was the same activation level in the pleasure and reward areas of the brain, which is mm-hmm. really cool. Yeah, yeah. But the researcher noted that the older and the younger couples weren't using their brains exactly the same way. So while the younger couples showed brain activity linked to mania, obsession, and anxiety, the older couples showed higher levels of activation in brain areas controlling calmness.
0: I think that you're in the older stage and I'm in the younger stage.
2: (laughs) This is not general mania, obsession, and anxiety. (laughs) 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 This is in marriage, okay? So... The older couples also had increased activity in brain areas relating to attachment and partnership. Okay. So just kind of think about this, right? You still, it's, you can have the romantic love, but instead of being driven by the anxiety of making sure that we lock in with each other, it's sort of fueled by the knowledge that we are locked in with each other. So it has has calmness, Right. has the steady breeze blowing the flames of, I don't know, something or other. How am I doing? Am I making sense here? Is this being too nerdy?
0: A little bit, but well, do we're you see here? how this is
2: all working, though, right? So God's made our brains to make this all pretty good. Yeah. So you can see that partner attachment is going strong. That's that deeper thing, mm-hmm. but and there's this kind of modulating factor around calmness, but they still have this romantic love part. Ah, oh, so sweet. And the romantic love is based on the pleasure reward system that can be sustained long-term, but it also benefits from the increased companionship of the attachment style of love. So you can have the best of both. Because if you go back to dating and you remember dating. Yes. There is a little bit of that uncertainty about the relationship.
0: Right. Okay. You know what I mean? Yeah.
2: Like we've forgotten about that. Yeah. And the reason why we've forgotten is because we've gone into partner attachment. Like that part is, it's secured that. Oh, okay. Right. Okay. Okay. So let's not completely idolize the dating stage, like everybody needs to go back there, but we're saying let's bring the good parts of that forward, this romantic love.
0: Right. Okay.
2: And the heat. What's the benefit of having both? Well, the research says that high levels of brain activity for both romantic and attachment love were correlated with one, higher sexual frequency, two, friendship-based love, three, including your spouse in your sense of self. Hmm. Those are really neat things. That's really cool, right? Yeah. Yeah all of those working together. Huh. So I think like this is, yeah, this is neuroscience Uh and it gets a little nerdy, right? Uh But we're talking about getting the brain circuits working in support of keeping the romance in your marriage. What we're actually asking to do is to bring that romantic love forward. So to bring some of those dating activities, behaviors, attitudes, interests forward into where you're at today. Okay. To help strengthen your marriage. Okay. Good.
0: Yeah. Okay, so last week, when I asked you about this, you said that we were having two episodes on dating. so does another one the next one actually tell us about like the dating part of it rather than just the brain circuits?
2: Yes, it does, but also remember that in the um in the guide with today's episode for our patrons, they will have the ability to go deep with this and really make this work in terms of practical application in their lives.
0: Okay, okay. Well, that's good. So
2: we're going to get to some of that next time and we'll have another guide to go with the next one too. But if you really want to go deep, do make sure you become a patron of our podcast. Sounds good. Let's wrap this up, baby.
0: Yeah. Well, thank you to Craig who became a patron this week-ish.
2: Yeah, between this recording and our and previous
0: one. How <laughs> we the that say Because that our long. recording is so
2: unpredictable. That is one thing.
0: <laughs> when we get home. We're
2: going to be home soon. Uh-huh. And then we will be able to do some regular recording until we leave again in three weeks. But Yeah. Whatever. If
0: we actually, like, remember to sit down. Anyways, we want to shout out a huge thank you to Ren Becca from Canada, who says, research-based, four stars. Just found your podcast while working through some self-reflection on my role in our marriage turmoil. I'm making my way through your podcast and some others. Yours is easy to listen to, and I love that you reference research. I'm still in 2014 episodes, but I plan on catching up. Thanks. Awesome. So sorry to hear about the turmoil, Ren Becca. but keep working through it. That's good.
2: Yeah, we're glad you're taking a proactive approach. Next week, we're going to be talking about this topic again, Verlinda. Like I said, today, we covered the neuroscience. Next week, we're looking at how to make this happen emotionally and interpersonally. So if you're not an engineer,
0: if
2: you're not, (laughs) Verlinda, if you're not an engineer and you're more like my wife, you will enjoy next week.
0: Yes. Emotionally and interpersonally.
2: Oh, yes.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, that's all for today's episode. You can get the full show notes at oyflink slash 145. Find out how you can help us to continue to support marriages in over 175 different countries. Go to oif.support.
1: Thanks, and we'll see you next week. The Marriage Podcast for Smart People is totally funded by listeners who support Caleb and Valinda in their mission to save marriages. If you would like to be part of this worthy cause, open your web browser to oyf.support. A minimum investment of $10 per month will help restore hope to married couples. Plus, as a patron, you'll gain access to exclusive bonus content and valuable information to help you succeed in your own marriage. Go to the website OYF.support now for more information. Thanks for listening to the Marriage Podcast for Smart People from Only You Forever.